Hey, my name is Brian Golden. I'm the lead pastor of Centerpoint Church. And I just want to personally thank you for listening to our podcast. And I also want to invite you wherever you are around the country or in the Tampa Bay area to join our digital online campus at centerpointfl.org. And here's what you need to know. Our vision is to create an alternative to church as usual for all people. And all that means is, regardless of whether you've been a longtime follower of Jesus, you're new to faith, you're investigating faith, or you don't even know what you believe, our goal is for you to feel like you belong, even if you never believe. And so thank you again for listening, and I hope today's message encourages you and helps you. Today we start a brand new series. My, my, my name is Bryant Lee Pastor, if I didn't say that already. So uh, if you're brand new with us, I'm glad you're here, whether you're on the lane of longtime follower of Jesus, a lot of faith, or you're in here today and like, I don't know if I have any faith. Um, I'm not that religious. If you're online, we're not that religious either. Um, but we're so glad you're joining us. And I'm super excited about this series. So basically what I wanna do over the next couple weeks uh, is I wanna talk about an idea or about something that everybody thinks they know how to do, but most people don't. And that sounds really arrogant, but just follow me for the next three weeks, where you think you know how to do something, um, but you don't. And so I wanna teach you how to do something that you think you already know how to do. And here's the thing about what we're gonna talk about for a couple weeks is the reason that it's easy to miss is because it's not intuitive, it's not normal. In fact, as the title packaging suggests, it's a little bit crazy. And so it's, it's easy to miss what we're gonna talk about and feel like, again, you already kind of know how to do this. But what I wanna do is kind of back into that. So that's kind of where we're going the next couple of weeks, but I wanna kind of just um, open this thing up. And I, I kind of do series like a movie. So I do the intro first and then uh, move into it in the, the subsequent weeks. But speaking of crazy, um, I think most people can agree this is maybe one of the most crazy times just culturally we've experienced in a while. If you weren't here last week, uh, go back and listen to that message. But you're, um, over the events of last week, you are like super excited. You're throwing parties and um, not wearing your mask or you are like, you're not, uh, that's nothing political. I just, um, you are like in a place where you're super depressed. Um, you're in the middle and you're not even sure what you feel. And you kind of haven't been able to figure that out for a while, but like people are all over the place. There's a lot of tension. There's a lot of division. That's not new. Um, but I think that's why what we're going to talk about for a couple of weeks and what we're going to introduce today is more important than ever. And Nicole kind of set it up already, but this is one of the most exciting things we do because we're gonna launch our generosity campaign where we give, where we serve, and where we love. And the giving part is we raise a bunch of money and then we give every single dollar of it away. Nothing stays here. And it all goes to our partner organizations in the city who are doing incredible work for kind of the least of these or the marginalized in our city. It's absolutely amazing. And so I'll talk about that in a few minutes. But a guy by the name of Timothy in the first century talked about this idea and what he wrote to a group of Jesus followers in the first century, I think, um, not unlike a lot of scripture, but this one particularly is as relevant to us and specifically this group that's watching and sitting in here today than maybe ever before. And here's what uh, Timothy said in this little, little letter that he creatively uh, called Timothy. It's like, we're out of ideas, just call it Timothy. So 1 Timothy 6.17, here's what he wrote to this group of Jesus followers. Command those who are rich in this present world. Pause. And immediately when you read that, you're like, well, he's not talking to me. And actually for most of you, he is talking to you. So like you don't feel this way, but you are within most of you, not all of you, top four or 5% of the wage earners in the world. Now you don't feel that. In fact, a lot of you are in the top 10% of wage earners 
in the country that you live in right now. And I can't speak for those of you around the world, but that's, that's the reality. You don't feel that way. You're not gonna throw a party. Like, well, I didn't realize I was in that, but you are. We just don't feel it. And one of the reasons we don't feel it is because we feel financial pressure a lot of times over the fact that we spend everything that we make, but that's another message series. But my point is this, if you were to sit down with a lot of people around the world and try to explain to them the financial pressure that you feel, they'd be like, huh? Like, what, what are you talking about? And that's not to minimize people who are walk, walking through legit financial hardship right now, maybe more than ever. My point is just this, what Timothy is writing is more relevant to us and, then, and to you than you would even imagine. So he's like, hey, command those who are rich in this present world. And Timothy's like, I'm talking to you. And then he says this, to do good, to be rich in good deeds and to be generous and willing to share. Now, here's the thing. As much as we think that's normal, that's not normal. Like for us as, again, let's talk to Americans for a second. Statistics say that the more that you make and the more that you have, the less that you give away. So as you increase, like in college, I've made fun of this before, in college it's so easy to go, God, you can have everything that I want. You have like a busted up hoopty truck and like, like it's falling apart. Like, God, you can have it all. And God's like, I don't even want it. Like, and then later on, the more you get, the harder it is to give stuff away, right? It's just the nature of things. So it's not normal. But I think in our culture and where we are, what Timothy talks about and what we're gonna talk about from a guy by the name of James in a second is more important than ever before. If you're like, okay, I'm, I'm in a place where I just, there's a lot of tension. I'm scared. I'm angry. I'm excited. I'm celebrating. I'm whatever. But everything that's going on around us, if you want to know, okay, what is the way forward for followers of Jesus? If you're a follower of Jesus, this is it. What Timothy talks about, what James talks about that we'll look at in a second. This is it. This is the way forward. So real quick, I'll come back to that. When we started our church, we decided that we were going to do something really strategic and we were not going to replicate great organizations and work that was going on in our city, we were actually gonna partner with it. And so rather than creating a bunch of extra ministries that we're gonna do a thing, feed the homeless, and we're gonna do a thing for you know housing women in crisis and on and on it goes, all of those so important in our community. But we realized strategically there was a better option than us replicating or recreating what was already happening and instead take all of our resources and encourage our volunteers to move into the community and partner with those who are already doing an incredible job. And so from the very beginning, we decided to do that. And, and generally, our, our framework for vetting partners in great organizations in our city was around these um, major topics, food scarcity, foster care, addiction recovery, women's crisis issues, housing, education. And so what we have done over the last few years specifically is gone and vetted what we believe are the best organization, organizations in our city around most of these specific areas to go, hey, you are killing it. You're doing an amazing job. How can we come alongside of you and help you in your work in our community and in our city? And then we did the same thing globally, where we have people that are meeting these issues on a global basis. We have missionaries who are in other countries who are planting churches. But our whole goal was not to replicate, but was to come alongside and partner. And so what we do maybe unbeknownst to some of you, if you haven't been through Next Steps, is all year long, we partner with these organizations. We have volunteers that serve 
These partner organizations I'll tell you about later. We have liaisons, um, which are individuals who are generally volunteers in our church. And we have one assigned to every one of those organizations and they communicate throughout the year and they ask questions about, hey, what do you need? How can we come alongside of you? We give money on a monthly basis to those organizations. So if you give financially here, that money goes into the community every single month. And then we send those volunteers and money. But once a year, we come along as a church to basically practice what Timothy just wrote to go, we wanna give these organizations a major push forward, not just at Christmas, but into this next year in a way that it will have a major difference in our community moving forward. And so that's what we're gonna do. And I'll talk about in a second, but it's all surrounding, we're gonna give, we're gonna serve, and we're gonna love. Now, as I said a minute ago, I think it is the most important thing as followers of Jesus that we could do in a divided culture. And here's what we believe as followers of Jesus, if you're still trying to investigate all of this, but here's the reality of what we believe, that God has been so generous toward us that we are compelled to trust him to be generous toward other people. That is the heart of the Jesus movement. In fact, if you were to ever read through the entire New Testament, this is the thing that will, will jump out over and over and over again, that the marching orders for followers of Jesus is do unto others as Christ has done unto you. We just spent a whole series talking about this. Jesus in the upper room, he's like, dude, things are gonna get crazy in culture. People are gonna lose their mind. There's gonna be moments in history where everything's gonna be flying out of control. So don't forget what I'm telling you in this upper room. If you forget all of it, I just want you to do this. I want you to go and love other people. I want you to go and do unto others people the way I am doing for you. And then in a few hours, they would get how big a deal that was when Jesus was hanging on a cross for the salvation and for the sins of the world. And in essence, he was punctuating his point. I want you to love like that. I want you to go to that extreme. You are serving an extraordinarily generous God. And here's the thing, Jesus is like, I don't want you to be generous just because you know most religions are, I want you to do unto other people as you would have them do unto you. And Jesus is like, that's a great sentiment. It's bigger than that. I'm, I'm raising the bar. I want you to do unto others as I have done unto you. That means that principle works with your enemy. That principle works with people you don't agree with. That principle works with people who could never do anything back for you because it's not on the basis of you simply treating them the way you wanna be treated. It is treating them the way that God has treated you through Christ. So that means followers of Jesus. Jesus would say, I want you to do unto others. And I want you to do to others who can't do anything in return for you. In essence, do good for those who can't and maybe won't ever do anything in return for you because at the heart of the Jesus movement is this. If you wanna love God, if you wanna worship God, if you wanna show your gratitude toward God, it's not about what you do for God, it's about what you do for other people who are made in the image of God because to quote Andy Stanley, everybody matters to God whether God matters to them or not. That's why we're generous. So this guy James comes along and he writes uh, this letter, and again, super creative, just titles it James. And he's like, listen, here's what this looks like. Followers of Jesus, this is what I want you to take seriously. In every culture, in every generation, no matter what's going on, this has got to be the thing. Now, just real quick, <clears throat> to all my skeptic friends, and those, so many who attend physically our digital campus radio, and, and you're trying to figure things out, and I love that we have that kind of environment, but this is just something you consider. James was the brother of Jesus. What you need to know is through all of Jesus' ministry and life, James thought his, 
his brother was just off. Like, not all there, a little bit crazy, like, eh, something's wrong. Um, and, and so it, all throughout G- James' life, he's like, okay, my, my brother claims to be the Messiah. Like, he's just, something's wrong with the, this guy. And then everything changes for, changes for James. And everything changes because after Easter weekend, something happened that validated everything that Jesus had been saying. I mean, think about this. James had been present around a lot of miracles. Like he saw water into wine. He's like, "Mm, okay, yeah, but it's gonna take more than that to convince me my brother is the Messiah. He saw Jesus give sight to the blind. He's like, no, I'm still not buying it. I mean, maybe I I hear that magicians in Egypt can do that. Like he still wasn't buying it until after the resurrection. And suddenly, just think about this. James, the brother of Jesus, believed that his brother was his Lord and his Messiah. Like you've heard this quoted before, but come on. What would it take if you have a brother or a sibling? What would it take for them to convince you that they were the son of God? Like just the fact that James believed his brother was his Messiah is something that should cause you to consider Christianity and read about that, investigate about that. And come on, here's the other thing I wanna say. What what if you knew that James, the legitimate brother of Jesus, and nobody argues that, even secular historians, wrote a letter and it was preserved through antiquity and you had the opportunity to read it, like the very words of James, the brother of Jesus. Like what, what, what if that was available? Like that's available, and for a lot of us, we've, we've never read it. We've never dug into it. This is James, the brother of Jesus, thought his brother was a nut job. And then after the resurrection, believed that his brother was his savior. Yeah. That's crazy. But if you're a skeptic, you should consider it. And here's what James says around this whole topic. And he's a little bit, there's, he doesn't create any tension. He just jumps in, it's a little in your face. So if you're offended, it's James. I didn't write it. James 1.27, here's what he says. Religion that God our father accepts, pause, Right there, it's a little offensive if you read into the implications because what James is saying is there is a, a form of religion, there's an expression of religion that God doesn't accept. Like where, where Jesus' followers are pretty pleased with themselves or religious people are pretty pleased with themselves and they feel really good about what they're doing and God's like, I'm not about that. Like he, here's, let me just talk to that group I was just talking to a second ago. For some of you, if you rejected some form of religion and you walked away, and for some of you, you thought you were rejecting Jesus, you were actually rejecting some form of religion, but you walked away to go, I, like I'm rejecting this, it doesn't seem right, I, I just can't square this with, it's intellectually dishonest, and you walked away and you rejected it and you felt like you were rejecting God, the possibility for some of you is you actually rejected something that God has already rejected. The religion that you walked away from is a religion that God already condemned. And he's going, listen, do not confuse the religion that caused you to walk away with the message of Jesus because there are forms and expressions of religion that God would say, that has nothing to do with me. And so religion that God our Father accepts is pure and faultless, literal translation, undiluted, authentic, Religion that he accepts is pure and faultless is this. Pause again for a second. Like if you had to finish this statement based on your past experience, how would you answer that question? Like if you weren't trying to figure out what I was gonna say next or James was gonna say next or if you've already heard the verse before, but it just based on your experience, how would you finish it? And for a lot of us, here's how we would finish the verse, whether we've been told this explicitly or we just feel it. The end of the verse is religion that God our Father accepts is pure and faultless is this. Attend church every Sunday and bring your Bible, right? 
And, and like legitimately, we, whatever, and again, you can add a bunch of stuff to that. For a lot of us, we have some version of, a, if I avoid whatever, fill in the blank. So it's something that you struggle with or something mandated by your background. Sometimes it's in the scriptures. Many times it's not. Like you just need to avoid this. It's, you know, I need to have a quiet time. I need to pray. I need to attend. There's some other disciplines I need to add into there. And, and here's the reality with all of that. You can do all of those things and be no closer to God. Because all of those things are about you. They're not bad, but they're just about you. And so for a lot of us, that's how we would finish that based on kind of what we grew up with. Like religion that is pure and faultless are, I've got to do these things and I got to stay away from these things. And James like, that's not what I'm talking about. In fact, I'll just say this to you real quick. That eventually if your form or expression of religion becomes nothing more than attending or moving through some religious rituals, just mark it down if you're not there already. You will eventually become cynical. You will eventually become critical and you will become really, really bored because it never leads anywhere good and it's not what Jesus intended. And it's why, and this is what breaks my heart. There's so many people who are like, well, I tried the God thing, the Jesus thing, the religious thing, and it just wasn't for me. And in a lot of cases, you can look at what they tried and go, no, no, you didn't try the Jesus thing. You tried some subtle form of self-centered religion that Jesus actually invited you to abandon. Yeah. And so James like, no, no, that, that's not what we're talking about because eventually you will just grow bored because you are never supposed to be the center of the story. And this whole thing about pray and read and whatever and attend, that's all about you. Jesus is like, no, 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 I've invited you into something so much bigger. In church world, we use lots of crazy language around this. Like the moment we kind of get into this, we use stuff like I'm not getting fed. And if you're not a Jesus follower, you have no idea what I'm talking about. It's just weird Christian language. Um, and, and you know, the answer to that is always, you have all of the information in the world at your fingertips. So that's kind of your fault. And then, oh, I'm just not feeling that, or I, like, I just I, you know, complain about this and this. And then you just, you wanna sit down, or I think James would wanna sit down and go, who told you that your religion was about you? Who told you that this was all about you, that it was about you attending and you singing and, and somebody making you laugh and you getting whatever and having this religious feeling? Who told you that this whole thing was about you? And then James finishes this whole statement. He says this, religion that is pure, that's faultless, that's undiluted, here's what it looks like. To look after, actually to look after orphans and widows in their, and what's the, what's the word? Distress. And again, you're never gonna say this out loud, so I'm just gonna say it for you. You're like, but how does that help me? And Jesus would say, okay, if your religion stops with you, your religion stops short. And here's the thing that you see all throughout the New Testament that is so countercultural. You wanna talk about crazy? This is crazy. Because the natural human inclination is if I get mine, I'm gonna be more fulfilled. If I get mine, I'm gonna be more satisfied. And we don't ever say that out loud, but a lot of times that's what we're jockeying for in our marriages and our jobs and just our life in general. It's like, uh, like I've gotta make sure I watch out for me in order to make sure that my life ends really, really well. And then the New Testament comes along and Jesus flips all of that on its head to say, listen, when you are full of yourself, you will always be empty. But here's the countercultural idea. When you empty yourself, you will always be full. Yeah. 
And you're never, here's the thing, you're never gonna come to that conclusion on your own because it is not intuitive. But Jesus says, it is the upside down kingdom. It's the different way of living that literally when you pour yourself out, when you give of yourself, when you're generous, when you surrender your life, I'm telling you on the other side of that is the fulfillment and the happiness and the peace that you've actually been looking for over here. But rather than finding it, you're draining yourself of everything that is soul giving and life sustaining. Because as long as you are full of you, you will always be empty. And so if you've turned it into, I'm gonna attend and I'm gonna sing and I'm gonna believe and it's all about, I wanna feel some kind of religious feeling, but you are not doing, we are not doing, then I'm just telling you, eventually, if you're not already there, and this maybe explain why you're there, you will become cynical. And you're like, but I read so much. I'm into worship every week. I attend every, it's not enough. You'll become cynical. You'll become critical. And you'll just be another bored Christian. And so James says, religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress. Now, let me explain this because this requires contextualization. Like in the first century, the distress that was created was mainly because fathers and husbands died. They would die because of persecution. A lot of times they would die because of um, some kind of like shortage. There wasn't enough food. They would go off to war. It would be disease. There was a bunch of different reasons, but a lot of times the distress that was created that ultimately created orphans and widows was because fathers and husbands just died. It was very prevalent in that culture. In 2020, it's very different because today those kind of categories are created primarily because of the selfishness of men and fathers. Now, you're like, well, it's women too. Absolutely, it's women too. So we, we talk about that. But it's a lot of men. And they're not dead. They're just MIA. And it creates distress for women and children in culture. And if you sit or stand where I stand with the people that I lead and hear the stories that I hear every single week, like this is a massive issue in culture. And come on, could we just come around this idea? Most human distress is caused at the hands of other human beings. Like, come on, can you imagine if somehow, like just to vision cast for a second, somehow if we were able to eliminate abuse, Can you just imagine, I know like it's not gonna happen this side of heaven, but can you imagine if we could somehow eliminate abandonment? Can you imagine if somehow we could eliminate alcohol abuse? What would change in our culture? What would change in our society? If we could eliminate drug abuse, both illegal drugs, prescription drugs, like what would happen in our culture? Can you imagine what would happen if we were able to eliminate laziness? Like most of the distress in our culture would go away. And so James is like, this is what religion looks like if it's pure and it's real. And this is what it looks like to follow Jesus. And then James says this, and he's speaking specifically at this point to followers of Jesus. Listen, if you take this series as followers of Jesus, in every generation, every culture, when things seem out of control, when there is so much distress, where things are divided in every direction, like this is what our responsibility is. If you're like, okay, what do I do? What's the way forward? This is your responsibility. This is what we do as followers of Jesus. And here's what James says, to look after orphans and widows and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. 
Now, in most Christian circles or in church growing up, this was severely misinterpreted. But here, let me tell you what he's talking about here is, if you want legit religion, here's what it boils down to. You need to be a part of the solution in your culture, and you need to make sure that you're not a part of the behaviors that create the problem. Not, I, he's not asking, this has been so misinterpreted. Separate yourself from the world, get away from all these crazy people, make sure that we divide, huddle up, create more Christian Bible studies, make sure that you've got your little deal. We don't wanna be polluted by the world. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about, listen, I want you to make sure that you move into the world, move into culture, move into society around you. I want you to walk toward the messiness. I want you to engage where things are flying out of control. And I want you to be a solution to the problem and make sure that you do not perpetuate behaviors that create the problem. You're a follower of Jesus. So here's how I would summarize. This is what God honoring religion is. I would interpret it as this is the way of following Jesus as James writes it. It's boiled down into the three things. It alleviates distress and avoids the behaviors that create it for the sake of other people around us. And number two, it requires selflessness and self-control. And number three, it requires that we keep ourselves from something in order to make ourselves available to somebody. Like that's what religion is. James is like, I love that you attend. You should do that. I love that you sing. You should do that. I love that you feel religious feelings and emotion. You walk away and sometimes there's tears. Like, I feel so close to God. That's awesome. You should do that. Those are valuable. But make sure that your religion doesn't stop there. Because if it stops there, it stops short. This is what it looks like to follow Jesus. And so what I would say as a church is we're committed to both of those things to alleviate distress. And the second one we talk about all the time, avoiding the behaviors that create distress. For you, because all of us have the propensity to be our own worst enemy, for your marriage, for people around you, for future generations, for your kids, we're all about that week in, week out. One of the things that we wanna do around this time of year especially is focus our attention on alleviating the distress of other people around us because we are part of the church, we are followers of Jesus, and that is what pure and faultless religion looks like. Your songs and sermons are amazing. Go love the least of these in your community if you wanna be most like Jesus. That's James' point. So in this season, we're gonna give, we're gonna serve, we're gonna love. I think it's the most powerful thing that we could do at any time, but especially in this time. And so if you have not been here in the past for what we've done around this whole idea, I want you to check out this video from last year to kind of give you a little glimpse about where we're going over the next few weeks. We are at Family Promise, and this is one of our uh, Care Network partners. For Lighthouse Ministries. Um, Echo, as you all know, um, with our Christmas generosity campaign. Mm-hmm. On behalf of Center Point Church, we'd love for you to see this gift and let us just bless you. And... Wow. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> oh, thank you. That's going to be used for the outreach and the internship and the education program uh, through the Lighthouse This is going to bless so many families. And we this year have already served 843 families. So we want to thank you so much. I don't know what else to say. God is so good. 
Thank you so much. Absolutely. Thank you guys. Have a good day, guys. All right, one more time, because that's pretty cool. You can give it up for all of those who are incredibly generous to give, serve, love. So real quick, I wanna tell you um, how this works. First thing is you got a card around you. Uh, you're sitting on it, it's beside you, but grab that card. And on there, it gives a lot of this information, but there's even more information at our site, centerpointfl.org slash generosity 2020. So everything that I'm gonna real quick talk about in three to five minutes is all right there. You gotta check out that site. Take that card with you as a reminder. But here's what we're gonna do real quick. The first one is we're gonna give. So every year around this time, we raised a bunch of money. Last year, our goal was $30,000. You doubled it. Um, we decided to not get crazy, so we just upped our goal to $40,000 this year. Um, and you, maybe you're gonna get crazy again. We'll see what happens. Um, but every year, we increase it. And it's absolutely amazing because we basically go to our partner organizations and we just ask this question. What would make a big difference for you? Like what's gonna move the ball forward? What is gonna move the ball down the court? Like what is gonna make a significant impact, not for just right now, but through all of 2020. And then we um, compile all of those. And then we, we go to work to go, okay, how, many, how can we meet as many of these needs as possible? So if you go onto our site, you'll see a list of what these organizations do, what we're gonna do for them, what we're gonna purchase, how this is gonna help them in a significant way. But I'm telling you, this moves the ball forward in a significant way. So here's how we do it. You can go to day and you can begin to give. Now, give is not the only thing we do. We give, serve, love, which I'll talk about, but you can go today, like right now, you can scan the barcode right in front of you, and then you just select Christmas generosity campaign, and you can give a gift right there. You can do it via our app. You can via, via, do it via our website. Again, just put Christmas generosity campaign. If you are online, you can just text Centerpoint FLVC to 77977. Love Nicole, but she got that wrong earlier. So who knows what you got back from that number, but 77977, you can text that. So this is the Allscape Area Place. So here's the thing. I just want to reiterate this. We're going to raise... Uh, God willing, at least $40,000, maybe more, we'll see. But when we get that money, every single dollar of it goes away. We don't, no shipping, no handling, every single dollar goes away. We have incredible staff that lead all of this stuff and amazing liaisons and Mike and Carolyn Bass who leave our serve, lead our serve our city team. It's amazing. So. We have a whole team of people and network and they serve throughout the year. So that's already established. They, they have personal relationships with all these organizations. We have in, we vetted these organizations. They're doing amazing work. So as you give every dollar, we give every dollar away. And if you end up going crazy and getting extravagantly generous, we've got other projects waiting in the wings with these organizations and others where we'll give that money away as well. So all of it goes away. Now, online campus, I just wanna tell you this. One of our partners, partners is World Vision, and they do a ton of incredible work specifically around child poverty and injustice. And so I want to encourage you to be a part wherever you are. We got people watching in Egypt and all around the United States and Hawaii and Australia. I want to encourage you if you're on radio via unfiltered radio, what you give is not just going to have an impact in this local Tampa community, depending on where you're watching, listening from. It will have an impact globally. And so we have um, things that are going on all over the place as you give your money. Now, here's what I just want to tell you. We, um, specifically our communications director was in, uh, was talking with a lot of these partners over the last couple of weeks, compiling some uh, 
video and communication stuff. And here's the thing she said about every time she had a conversation with these partners. And I just wanna brag on you for a second. Every single time as she sat down and talked with them, they were listen, I just wanna, I want you to tell your people, we could not do what we do without Centerpoint Church. Like we could not do, it's making a significant impact. One of the organizations, we provided 10% of their operating budget last year. If you run a small business or a nonprofit, you know what a big deal that is. It is having a major impact. And over and over again, they talk about the fact that if we weren't involved, if you weren't doing what you're doing, not just raising money once a year, but serving and giving throughout the year, like if our church was sucked out of this, the community would miss us. And that's always been the goal. So you give monthly if you're a contributor here. We have people who serve monthly and then we get the opportunity to move the ball forward in a big way. A couple things that we're gonna do, all this is on our website, but um, help uh, purchase mobile homes for housing women in crisis with amazing love. Um, computers for Echo, they do an incredible work. Not all of these are strictly like faith-based programs, but they're doing amazing work and we've been called to come alongside them. So like this will help us reach feed more people. Uh, we're building a bathroom for homeless families with Family Promise, um, food boxes for hundreds of families with Lighthouse, a large freezer that we're gonna buy with Portamento of Hope, and on and on I could go. So it's going to specific needs that they have. They're like, hey, listen, we don't have the operating budget to do this. So here's what we need. Can you do it? And now we're gonna give and we're gonna do it. So all you have to do today or between now and our, our specific offering Sunday is December 6th. We make a big deal about that if you've been here before, but you don't have to wait. We can raise that goal before we get to December 6th. And I just wanna encourage you with this. Listen, how much crap have you purchased on Amazon? And you don't even know where it is anymore. You don't have to raise hands, but anybody in the house, you're like, I know I bought whatever, whatever one time and you don't even know where it's at. Okay, so I'm, I'm just, in, keep doing that, that's fine. But divert some of the money that you spend on crap at Amazon that you don't even know where it's at anymore and divert because you will get no return on investment on that. You will get incredible return on investment and the church will get return on investment in the community because this is the best thing the church could be known for in our city. Those people are crazy generous and it's not just about them. It's about the people in their city and the community who need them. So let's give, the second part of this is let's serve. We have two in-person service opportunities through Gift of Hope, Family Promise. They are, um, they're gonna be done very safely, so you don't have to worry about that. There are great opportunities for your family. I would just encourage you to do this. Bring your kids with you if you can. Serve with your kids. Go to Family Promise and be a part of that and include your kids because I'm telling you, you get the opportunity to go, hey, here's why we do this. Here's why it's a big deal for our community. Here's what Jesus has done for us. It's why we're gonna give back. Use this as an opportunity with your kids. Just real quick, Family Promise. This is an incredible organization that they house homeless families specifically with children in different locations throughout the city throughout the year. And during that time, they go through education, rehabilitation, help get them jobs. We actually house homeless families on our site several times a year pre-COVID. And hopefully that's gonna happen again soon. And so it is an amazing, amazing thing. So we have two opportunities to physically go get your hands dirty and to serve those organizations in the city. And here's one of my hopes, is as you serve at one of those organizations or as you encounter some of these other organizations, that they will grab your heart. And it will not be a one-time thing, but it will move you to volunteer and be involved long beyond the Christmas lights being taken down at the end of December or January uh, third week, if you're crazy like us. So. Um, 
give, serve, and then lastly, love. So here's what we wanna challenge every CC to do. We wanna challenge you to find five people, five neighbors. And we have a list of probably dozens of things on our website, so you don't have to be creative. We've been creative for you, specifically Angela Parker, shout out to you, and several other people. But you go on there and you find five people and then you go be generous to that individual. You don't, I mean, in some cases, it's just, it's doing something really small for them or it's making something and give it to them, but find five neighbors, five families, five individuals. You get extra credit if you give them a CC Christmas invite, but that's not even the purpose of this. Go love, hey, and if you could find some people who are different than you and go love them, that's even better but find five people, go to our site and find a way to go just be generous to them this season. Cause you already know this, I'm telling you, no strings attached, unbridled generosity. It is the most powerful thing that you can do. It, it is the most powerful expression of Jesus' love. So let's give, let's serve, let's love. Our goal, even more than a dollar amount is participation. I just know from experience what this will do if you take this seriously. And it is so easy, come on, it's all us together. It is so easy to move inward, to move insulary, and suddenly you realize over the course of the year that maybe you gave some stuff away, but it was by accident, it wasn't intentional. It is so easy to move into that place rather than building our lives around being generous people. And it is the most important thing that we could do right now in our culture. And I'm just gonna end with this. We've talked about it so much in our last series, but this is what the early church did, man. This is what they did because they watched Jesus and they listened to Jesus tell stories about a man who was the victim of a crime being helped by a man who was the victim of racism. And in that culture, when Jesus told the story, they were like, would anybody do that? And Jesus is like, no, no, no. Jesus followers are gonna do that. I'm bringing in an upside down kingdom. It's gonna change the world. It's, it's gonna be different than any other religion because no longer is it about attend and sing and do some ritual. Your relationship with God is determined by your relationship with one another. And, and you know, I don't need to go over this again, but they, they gave extraordinary dignity and value to women. They raised the dignity and value of slaves and lower class and children. And it was the Jesus followers in a culture that said, you know what, injustice, and prejudice and poverty in the first century, that's just fate. That's just the gods getting back at us. It's just fate. And it was the Jesus followers that said, no, 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 it's not just fate. Not all worldviews and not all cultures are equal. All people are equal. Not all cultures and not all worldviews are equal. Because the Jesus followers said, listen, there is something more powerful than fate and it is faith that red and yellow, black and white are precious in his sight. They're made in the image of God and poverty and injustice and crime and abandonment. It's, it's not just fate. And Jesus followers have another perspective on society that Jesus is ushering in something that's new that says all people have extraordinary value. And the Jesus followers have been called to do unto them, whether they like them or not, whether they're enemies or not, to do unto them, not what you want them to do back to you, but to do unto them what Christ has done unto you. And now as followers of Jesus, like father, like son like father, like daughter. I want you, Jesus would say, I want you to go into culture and I want you to do good for those who can't and maybe won't ever do anything good for you. Because everybody matters to God, whether God matters to them or not. So let's do this. 
practice. You don't wanna go crazy, but just start. Give, serve, love. And I think if you do, I'll just tell you by experience and watching what I've watched over these years, God will do something extraordinary in your life. You were not created to live for you. Your life is not big enough. You were created to live for a bigger story. And we've been created as a church to be a part of a bigger story and narrative in our city and the community. And this has the power to change things. Let's change things. Let's have an impact. Stand with me. Jesus, I thank you so much for your grace. Thank you for what you're gonna do over these weeks. I thank you that we get this opportunity and privilege. I love what you say in the Sermon on the Mount, literally translated in the Greek, happy are those who are generous. There's just something that changes about life when we sync up to live in the rhythms of how you've designed us to work. And so help us to do that. Pray for some of us over these weeks that you would change some perspectives that would begin to heal some things in our family and even our relationship with you. And God, I just pray that we would get excited about being generous. This is at the heart of what you are about. And so I thank you for what you're gonna do in these individual organizations and these partners that are doing such amazing work in our city. I thank you for those who volunteered throughout this year. I thank you for those who have given as a part of this church. I thank you for the difference that we were able to make even through COVID-19 of giving extra gifts to these organizations to help them in significant ways. So we recognize it is all you. And so do your thing through us in such a way that you get all the credit. And we pray this in your incredible name, the name of Jesus, amen. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this message or have been impacted by Centerpoint Church in any way, would you consider helping us out in one of two ways? First, if you would just spread the word, share this message with your friends, family. Maybe you could go rate and review our podcast on your favorite podcast catcher, but this helps us so much more than you know. And secondly, this ministry is supported by people like you through their financial generosity. And so if you've been impacted by any of these messages, would you consider giving to support the mission and vision of Centerpoint to see people reach with the radical grace of Jesus? You can give today on our website at centerpointfl.org. And again, that's centerpointfl.org.